1: Welcome to the Eurostep episode 8 I'm Kane Pittman we are here on a Thursday afternoon uh, talking some bucks uh, they went down last night in Cleveland but we're gonna get into that a little bit and then a mailbag and I am joined by a friend Ty Windish as always the guy on the Wisconsin herd beat
2: I'm here we got one game left soon I guess I'll be on the, the this the bucks beat from afar I don't know how we're gonna word that but yeah I am I am here and I am ready
1: you're gonna come down. You need to come do again.
2: I agree completely. We'll have to talk about that later offline.
1: All right. We can we can we're gonna get you down here. But I did mention that the Bucs lose last night in Cleveland. Uh not, I guess, a result that if you looked purely at the records, you would you you would expect or I think was gonna happen, but uh some you know extreme circumstances with the Bucs, only eight healthy players. They lose 107, 102. Uh, Chris Middleton leads the way. He had, he had a great back-to-back, backing up 30 uh, thirty-point effort against the Lakers. He has twenty-six last night, four for six from three. Uh, he started off four for four. He had a really, really hot start in this one. Uh, but the Bucks go down against the Cavaliers team, and as I mentioned, only eight healthy players. Uh, there was, I mean, you know, I mean, Brogdon obviously was already out the long term. Miritich is out for you know at least uh, a couple of weeks here. Uh, Giannis doesn't play again with the ankle. George Hill's out. Sterling Brown's still out. Uh, Dante Jimenez out. Pau Gasol's out. It, it was—I mean—it was a complete uh, shambles. And I—I I said this, uh, you know, last night. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I feel like teams playing on a back-to-back on the road with eight available players probably don't have a good record in the history of the NBA. I don't know the number for sure, but my sense is that they—they they probably don't win too many games. So. I don't know how much you, you took away from this one, but uh, what what did you say?
2: I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, I had largely the same conclusion. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a chase down discord. I was on their podcast earlier today. I don't know how, how this works when you're listening to it, but I'm in their discord and, you know, one of them was like, wow, are they really always this bad without Giannis? And I was like, well, they're four and two without Giannis this year, but they're also without, you know, the whole long list of players and, I want to say I don't have official confirmation on this because I didn't I didn't reach out or anything, but pretty sure Trayvon Duval was also out. He didn't play in the last herd game, and I don't know if he was even with the Bucks for this one or not, but just another guy who, again, they didn't have. I don't know if Trey would have seen minutes in this game anyway, but you never know. But just a lot of guys out. So I was almost encouraged in the fact that they made it a game late. The Cavs have been bad most of the year, but they got back Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., and... Colin Sexton Jr. is an entirely different player than he was. Or just Colin Sexton, I think. I don't know. A lot of juniors in the NBA lately, but he's an entirely different player than he was earlier in the season. He's been phenomenal. And I mean, he poured it in on the Bucks scoring, what do you have? Twenty five? Twenty six points? No, I'm looking at the wrong box score. He had twenty five. So and he can shoot now. He shot four for seven from three. So they're not a bad team. And I I was worried. I I tweeted too early in the game because it became competitive again, but I was like with the boost they're getting from getting some of their favorite guys back, you know, two of those guys from that title team in 2016 in Cleveland, this just feels like a game for them to win. And they did end up winning it. So I'm not that concerned about a team with like less than half of its players healthy losing on a back-to-back. Like it it is what it is.
1: Yeah. And I, I was sort of thinking about this, uh, just, you know, as we were preparing to record, I I've never really viewed myself as the super optimistic, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, person who's, who's watching the Bucs. I've never really been that. But I feel like this year with just the way that they've played, uh, you know, how dominant they've been, I've sort of found myself more on the optimistic side. And again, last night, the game finished. I, I sort of just shrugged my shoulders and said, well, it is what it is. It's it's this point of the season where the Bucs are clearly making some choices to to get some guys ready for what's most important. And that's the first round of the playoffs. So uh, I think purely from the Bucs' point of view, Again, I touched on Middleton. I, I think that, um, you know, for him to have these two games, shooting the ball pretty well last night, t- uh, 10 for 21, you'll take that 47%. Uh, the three balls starting to look good. But I think the big thing for him is just getting these couple of games in there where he, he sort of takes the initiative and is super aggressive because all season long, he's sort of taken a back seat. We, we know that that's what the offense is. Giannis gets his, and then everyone else shares the load. And Milton's been pretty uh, incredibly unselfish from that point of view. That he has taken a backseat to what to what he was doing last year, but without Giannis, he stepped up in both games and and they lose last night. But I think it's really good for him to you know confidence wise to to see those that, that, those shots fall and he was uh, super aggressive on the on the glass as well. I, I tweeted earlier, but only the, f- the first time in his career that he's had back to back twenty point ten rebound games. So uh, wow. Milton was a big positive. Uh, I think. Um, you know just looking at the game last night the tale of the box score with the plus minus is clearly the three bench guys Wilson Connerson and Frazier didn't have great minutes and uh you know DJ did a lot of things defensively he was rebounding while well. he was doing some other stuff three steals minus 25 on the night he was just 1 for 9 from the field he just couldn't couldn't get a shot to to go so uh not great bench minutes from, from those guys incredibly all the starters ended up in the positive and the plus minus so uh, you know, for the Bucs, uh, I think just shorthanded. Uh, you know, as I said, at, at this point in the season, they uh, chose to rest Hill, and and that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, you, you don't want to, coming back from that sort of adductor groin uh, injury, you don't want him playing at a back-to-back. He just doesn't need to play in the back-to-back. Uh, Giannis, again, uh, heavily limping after the game against Philadelphia on Sunday. So uh, when you look at the standings, the Bucks still have their two-game lead over... Uh, the Raptors three games with the tiebreak, so this, losing this game was not the be-all and end-all, and making sure that Giannis gets an extra couple of days rest is really the most important thing.
2: No, I agree. I mean, the magic number I think still is eight for the Bucks to firm up that one seed in the East, and that's eight Bucks wins combined with uh, Raptors losses, which both teams I think have double-digit games left, or at least close to it, so yeah. I could that's do some good. simple math and find out what the Bucks have played 71 Seventy two. Uh,
1: Seventy two now. Yeah, they so got 10. They
2: have yeah, they have ten left, and the Raptors, I'm sure, have around that same number. So, you know, it's you know, four bucks wins plus four Raptors losses does it, and that'd be a horrible end of the season for Milwaukee. So in all likelihood, the top of the East is gonna be Milwaukee's, you know, knock on wood again, barring a huge collapse. You know, looking at the box score just from a different angle, the plus minus is pretty enlightening, but I mean, just look at – you get 50 combined from Middleton and Bledsoe, which is about as much as you should expect on a reasonable average night, especially with no Giannis. Almost 20 from Brook Lopez. And then like eight each from Ilya snell 11 from Pat Connaughton, six from DJ. What more can you really expect from any of those guys individually? Like I don't think – I mean, Snell has been cold lately for sure, but do you really expect like 15 points on an average basis from Tony Snell? I mean, if you look at the averages, you probably shouldn't. DJ and Pat C are guys who, they don't even play every night as bench guys. I mean, they're kind of in platoons in those roles, especially Pat Connaughton when all the guards are healthy. So you're really looking at two guys who would normally be platoon guys playing solid minutes, and then Tim Frazier, who, I mean, wouldn't play at all, being the main bench guard besides Pat, the main bench point guard, I guess. So this this isn't a game I don't think anyone should do. A lot of hand-winging over. The only real concern is like, if they're banged up like this again, obviously then things become very, very tough.
1: Well, that's right. And, and, and the big, I suppose the big uh, injury yesterday was the news that uh, Miritich is going to miss. uh, Well, the, the the initial prognosis was two to four weeks. I, from what we've heard now, uh, so that's with the thumb injury. What we've, what we've heard uh, from Bud last night is that he believes that there's going to be no concern that, that Miritich is not going to be available for the start of the first round. So that's big news for the Bucs. They definitely want Miritich around for the playoffs. I think the other thing is it's his left hand, so it's his it's his uh, not not his uh, dominant shooting hand. So that's also big. But uh, the thing for, with the Miritich injury and why it sort of it still does suck, and, and the focus is the playoffs. But this is a guy that's still been working his way back in. He had uh, his best game uh, with Milwaukee against the Lakers uh, the other night, has twenty three points. Does a lot of different things. Gets in the paint, hits the offensive glass. And the Bucks were shorthanded that night as well. No air sign. And, and Miritich really filled that Ilias over role well in terms of hitting the glass, getting a couple of putbacks, driving to the paint. He was doing a lot of different things. So confidence for him certainly appeared that it was on the rise. Uh, so now to miss this time uh, is, is a bit of a blow for him. But, um, you know, the most important thing is that he's back to the playoffs, but uh, back for the playoffs. So uh, it could have been worse for him. But again, uh, you know, he he was starting to look uh, in that Lakers game, particularly the best he has since he came.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. And that's just obviously short term, a guy who it would really help to have. But like you said, I mean, seemed like he was about ready to step into a real rhythm with the team and then goes down with the injury. It's just it's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate luck. You know, a lot of talk about luck right now, because the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. It's going on literally right now as we speak. I'm not watching, obviously. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And Kentucky get back, can, can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? Justin got tripped up by Ken Kentucky last night, and I see where, see where he was coming from now. If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years, multiple years. Their year, their goal, not their year, their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE for a fifty percent sign-up bonus, that is promo code Blue Wire, all one word, all caps. With my bookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Kane,
1: everyone likes getting paid. I, I, I can confirm that. I I sort of I'm keeping an eye on some games. I when I know we mentioned this is this we're doing a bit of an earlier pod here. I I am going to catch the Marquette game uh, this afternoon. I, I think that's three thirty Central. I. I've got Marquette making a little bit of a run. I got them to the Sweet Sixteen. I don't know how many people would agree with that, but I've got
2: them to the Final Four. So,
1: well, there you go. Just out,
2: complete boy. homer bracket. No one ever listened to me do the opposite of what I do when it comes to the tournament, please, folks. Well,
1: I can't. I can't be accused of, of that being a homer pick. I, I just like Marquette. I've watched a few of their games. I think they're really entertaining. So I, I got Marquette making a bit of a run, but uh, we're we're gonna do something different today. I know you sent out the call on Twitter uh, for a, a little bit of a mailbag, so. Uh, I think you've got the questions. I do. And and we're just going to – we're sort of going to go through and, and I guess uh, taking turns answering. So I don't know if you want to kick us off.
2: Yeah, I, I can start it off. I mean, some of these I think will be kind of quicker. I'm gonna We're not going to do all of them. We're going to skim through because this is going to be a slightly shorter episode today. But first up from Joe Giuseppe Polka Tornado at Polka Tornado. This is a very Wisconsin account. Uh, will the Bucks prioritize health and rest, or will getting the one seed take priority during the last few games of regular season? I think we kind of got our answer from last night, right, Cam?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, that's exactly what I was going to say. We, uh, look, there's, there's no there's no reason for this team to, to take risks, and I understand that some fans get a little anxious and a little bit frustrated when the team loses because it hasn't happened a lot this year. But, uh, you know, if Giannis wasn't at 100% last night, which he wouldn't have been, and, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, probably hasn't been 100% for most of the season, so... It, why play him against the Cavs? Like, what does it matter? You still have a three-game buffer. The Bucks are going to take care of their guys. I think Sterling Brown is another example of that, uh, who who hasn't come back yet. But looks like, from what I can see and what I see him doing at practice, looks like he's been ready to go for a while. So, the Bucks understand that they've done the hard work to get themselves to this position. So, uh, they're not going to take any risks. And I, I think if you are a Bucks fan. You have to keep that in mind and you can't get frustrated about, uh, you know, things like last night and guys not playing. This is, they're, they're doing the right thing.
2: We'll hop to a different one here. Uh, I'll just kick this one off right to you as the resident Bucks beat reporter from blazing buck at buck blazing. Any idea of when Sterling Brown could be available?
1: Yeah. So I, I asked, uh, bud, uh, that exact question, uh, the other day uh, before the Lakers game. So, uh, Sterling took part in, in shoot-around on Tuesday morning before the Lakers game. Sterling was uh, taking part in some 5-on-5 five five, uh, scrimmage after shoot-around. All the other players were off the floor. So he was out there. Um, I seen him. He he cut hard baseline, dunked the ball. So if you've got any problems with the wrist, you're probably not going to be doing that. Um, he looked really good. So I asked Bud, and, and Bud said that that was the first time he took part in 5-on-5, five five, but he was hoping that he was going to play later this week. So whether that be... Uh, against Miami tomorrow whether that be on on the Sunday game uh, against the Cavs I my feeling is from that answer that Sterling is either going to play tomorrow or Sunday so that that's big that's good news
2: that's definitely huge news let's uh, move on to another players playing question this is again from at Polka tornado a big fan of the show it seems shout out to you uh, which players are likely to get the fewest playoff minutes I feel like it's almost easier to answer like a lot of them right like I think the, if you, let's, let's just talk about like first round for now. So let's assume no Brogdon. I think Nico is going to get a lot of minutes. Obviously Giannis is going to get 40 plus minutes. Lopez will get a lot of minutes, Bledsoe, and then Middleton. Who else is going to play? I think Urson is a safe bet. I, I don't know who else and probably George Hill and maybe Sterling. I, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, in terms of the guys coming off the bench, I think that Ersan and DJ, you know, between them, will probably have that sort of uh, 10 to 12 minutes. I I think, you know, sometimes it might be Ersan will play all of them. Uh, on occasions, you know, uh, uh, Bud might go the direction of DJ, obviously he's been playing big minutes recently. So I think those two uh, take uh, some time. As as you pointed out, George Hill definitely plays if he's healthy as the as the lead backup. Got no no doubt about that. I think Sterling Brown. I personally think that so this is this is just my personal opinion. I think if Sterling Brown can get a bit of run here before the playoffs, I think that he's the guy that ends up starting uh, for Brogdon. I, I think Sterling is the guy that'll slip in there. I think he's a, he's a really aggressive defensively. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. Shoots the ball. Uh, well from three he's not brogdon but i think he does a lot of similar things so i think Sterling's a guy that's that's definitely going to play um tony has played oh yeah so i have to think that he's going to get minutes but in terms of guys that are missing out i think you're looking at dante um who else we got power, I don't know, power power's not going to play yeah i think conington probably gets squeezed out of a playoff rotation so uh, in terms of the guys that have been playing, I think probably Connaughton, uh, Dante, depending on health with DiVincenzo, obviously, and Pau Gasol are definitely guys that, that I, I think are probably uh, not going to play.
2: And probably Tim Frazier, too.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, Frazier, Frazier as well. I mean, he's, he's, he's the emergency yeah, backup.
2: Ex- exactly. I exactly. My one sort of follow-up question to you, I, I agree with everything you said there. Do you think we'll see Bud kind of flip-flopping between guys like Sterling Snell Connaughton and DiVincenzo to kind of go with a hot hand in the playoffs? do you think we'll see more consistency there?
1: I think that so, – so what my, – my feeling is what we've seen so far this season that uh, Bud doesn't quickly swap these guys around. But generally when he makes a change, he gives it a bit of a chance. So, uh, you, you know, early in the season was DiVincenzo. Then he went to Sterling Brown. Pat Connaughton was, has played in stretches. So, as I said, I think Sterling is the guy that they really like. I think that he might get first opportunity – We've seen as, as, as recently with DJ where Bud pointed to the fact that he wasn't hitting shots and he found himself out of the rotation. So if Sterling Brown comes in, he's not hitting those threes, uh, he might say, okay, I'm going to try DiVincenzo. I'm going to try Connor and I, I got no doubt that Bud is happy to swap them around. I, I don't think it'll happen as quickly on a game-to-game basis, but certainly those guys are, are, will be mixed and matched depending on whether they're, uh, I guess, just basically getting the, getting the job done.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. I I hope to see a lot of Sterling, no matter what, though. If he can come back and be healthy, which it seems like he can, because I I agree with you. I, I've been high on him forever. I think we've just seen a lot of very impressive things from him in his early career, his young career thus far.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I, as I said, I I this is just no. I haven't got any info or or spoke to anyone about this, but yeah, I think I can. There's a there's definitely a way that I can see the Sterling ends up starting. Providing that he can get some some game and, and minutes in in uh in the lead up to the playoffs.
2: Absolutely. So we, I'm going to go with one more from Poker Tornado before we move on to the other questions. Yeah, he's, he's he's just he's whirling and he's wheeling and dealing the questions. Do the Bucks have very enough? Active very active. Very
1: Twitter, I got to
2: tell you. Oh, I like to hear that. Do the Bucks have enough ways to win when teams clog the paint to stifle Giannis in the playoffs? My Quick answer is yes, because I think maybe we'll see it more to a degree in the playoffs, but, I mean, teams have been doing that all season, and the Bucs have won a whole lot of games. I mean, obviously the shooting from everybody else helps. Um, and You know, having Bledsoe and Milton be able to create offense helps. I wonder if we'll see Bud go to some more pick-and-roll involving Giannis, which is something that Steve Kerr does in the postseason when things get tight. They don't run a ton of pick-and-roll otherwise, but when they really need it, they'll run KD, Steph, pick-and-roll. I wonder if we'll see – some more of that I know someone maybe Eric maybe somebody else wrote about that somewhat recently I don't remember who actually but I I just think and especially now Giannis you know backing up and shooting threes himself I just think this isn't going to be anything new to Milwaukee what will be new for other teams is dealing with like four minutes of non-Giannis basketball instead of 14 or 18 per game which is going to be a really hard adjustment for teams to play I mean it's not many teams have beat the Bucs with the honest on the floor. At least it feels like this season.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I mean, I. I don't have much else to add. I, I don't think that. I. I don't have any concerns about that. To, you know, to be completely honest, like that just does not bother me. That's what. That's what's happened all year. Like if teams know that to stop the Bucs, you you, you got to try and keep Giannis honest out of the paint. They just simply can't do it. Uh the job obviously gets a lot easier for the opposition if the Bucs cannot hit a three to save themselves, But you know, against the, or like a, like a day like uh, on Sunday against Philly. um, And the Bucs were getting wide open looks all over the place and they still couldn't stop Giannis. And that's with Embiid in the paint and some other really good defenders. So no, I I have no concerns about that. Uh, Teams know that 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 would be a great way to stop the Bucs and they just haven't been able to do it. So I'm not concerned.
2: Yeah. Um, from Dave Waters, Waiters, at Waters D, which potential first-round playoff playoff matchup favors Milwaukee the most slash least? Uh,
1: favors the most. So, I, I mean, I just don't have any concerns about any first-round matchups, to be honest. But yeah. uh, I would, I mean, based on the results and what we're seeing, and they're playing some really good basketball right now. The Pistons would be great. I mean, the Bucs had no issues with them over the four games. Uh, they, they really blew them out of the water in every single game, even though, uh, as I said, the Pistons have been rolling of late. Uh, so, look, Detroit would be a good matchup for the Bucs. I just don't think they have any way uh, of stopping the Bucs from scoring. Um, I, I don't have that many concerns with Miami. I know some people get a bit weird about that, that series, but uh, you know the Bucs have blown them out the last two times. Yes, they were down at halftime, but, I, I mean, they've been comprehensive uh, victories both on the road and when they won by 38 at five Says. So Miami I would have no problem with. I, I don't know. I mean, in, it looks like, just looking at the standings right now, it things it's tight enough that things can still change. But Miami right now uh, in the eight seed, they're one game back of the Nets in seven, and they're one and a half games ahead of the Magic in nine. So Charlotte, funnily enough, which has given the Bucs maybe as much trouble as any team out of these, uh, looks like it's probably slipping too far away now. They're, they're three and a half games back, so I think we can rule Charlotte out. I think the Bucks are going to be taking on one of the Florida teams, and it's going to be Miami or Orlando. I don't have too many concerns with either. I, I think the Bucks match up fine with the, both of them, and uh, and, and I, look, they just should not have any troubles.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not worried about any. I, I would say probably Miami the least out of that group I'd wanna, I would want to go against just because – Even though it was limited and obviously didn't extend to a whole game, they've had at least a little bit of success against the Bucs. It seems like since that first time Miami used zone defense, Milwaukee's kind of figured that one out, so I don't know if that would really work anymore. But just something about that team, I I just think that they have the most potential to be surprisingly capable in the playoffs. I mean, they've been there before. I'm not worried about the Pistons. Uh, Milwaukee has Blake Griffin stopper, TJ Wilson, so that's only partially a joke. He played really good defense on Blake. But anyway... Uh yeah. Orlando obviously not concerned about. It. I mean, I just think like any of these teams that the Bucks might have kind of looked like struggled against a little bit. I think at least part of it is like it was a regular season game against a team in the East that's under five hundred and the Bucks probably were like, Okay, this this won't be hard. In the playoffs, I think the intensity is gonna be so much higher that a team without the talent like Miami or Orlando just won't hold up. So I'm not worried about either, but yeah, I think the Pistons would absolutely just get annihilated if they if they were the one.
1: Uh, I agree. Uh, I think in, you just said the Pistons, so I thought of Blake Griffin. But I would say Brooklyn, it's, as I said, they're in the seven seed right now, so they are they are in the mix to take on the Bucks. DeAngelo Russell may be the best player that the Bucs could play in the first round series, though. Obviously, he had twenty seven or whatever he had in the fourth quarter. So, in the playoffs, I think uh, Russell would be a guy that that would throw up some problems. But uh, you know, again, I, I'm not expecting any of these series, as, uh, any of these series, to. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking five games, maybe six, absolute max if things don't go well. So, I uh, look, the first round, I'm not spending too much time thinking about.
2: No, I, I agree. Um, Next one here. Uh, who should take the role of Brogdon and the Brogdon plus bench units? I ask because this is predictably the most frustrating part of MB's game. Malcolm Brogdon. Incredible off-ball, frustrating leading an offense. I wonder if Bled could do it maybe even better than the Prez. This is from Steven Anderson at S underscore Mick Anderson.
1: Yeah, I, I I did actually. So I didn't see a lot of these questions, but I did catch that one. Uh, I I know in terms of, I'm not sure if this is quite what the the answer is looking for, but as I already pointed to, I think I already touched on what I think Sterling can bring uh, to the uh, to to the starting lineup, which is uh, a lot of what Brooklyn can do um, on a little bit of a, a smaller scale. I I don't think. You know, a guy like Brogdon with the shooting splits that he's had, how effective he's been getting to the, getting to the rim. Uh, he just does everything so well that it's really, really hard to replace what Brogdon's brought for this team this year. And I personally, I just don't subscribe to like the, the frustrations of Brogdon as, as a ball handler. I think that, yes, he is prone to over-dribbling sometimes, but you can't look at what Brogdon's done on the season and, and to say that he is – destructive to the offense in, in any way. I mean, he's been as efficient as anyone in the league across the, all three categories or more efficient than anyone uh, when all three categories are combined. So, um, sure. I, I, you know, you would love him to maybe get rid of the ball a little bit quicker in transition and get it to Giannis. Uh, but, uh, overall, I, I, don't, you know, I, I, there's been no frustration for me watching Malcolm Brogdon handle the ball this year, put it that way. So I like Sterling to start in terms of the second unit. Uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, you, you might see Bud uh, try and mix and match these these lineups a little bit, and Bledsoe may find himself playing a little bit more with uh, those guys in, in the second unit. But outside of that, uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of George Hill. He's a guy that, that Bud really trusts uh, in big moments in particular and uh, and mostly on the defensive end, which is where the second unit sort of uh, makes their bread, I guess. So I, I, what, what do you see?
2: Um, no, I I I like your take on this one. I, I completely agree with the with, about the Brogdon thing. Not to belabor the point any further, but I think Kim and Middleton both. I feel like a lot of the criticism the criticism they receive. I'm kind of like, I mean, really, like, are we kind of grasping at straws here for something to be mad about? Or um, as far as who's going to play with the second unit the most? I mean, it's I'm a little interested in it. Like the suggestion of Bledsoe isn't bad. I mean, I think Middleton and the honest could be staggered a little more. But I just think like with the postseason coming up and these last 10 or so games, 10 games that are left, I'm just not that concerned about it. I mean, you're not going to see deep benches for the bucks in the postseason. You know, you're going to see the, the the same guys on the floor a lot. You don't really need to worry about these things as much. You know, this isn't like a Raptors situation where the bucks need to ha- like take advantage, use, adven- use their deep bench to win in the playoffs like the Raptors last year, not this year. Um, I, I think Bledsoe could use some of that. Like I said, I mean, Sterling Brown, obviously, not really like a primary ball handler either. George Hill can help with that. It'd be nice if more of his threes would fall. But at this point, I think really what should be foremost on Bud's mind, more than figuring out, you know, who can run the best with like three or four bench guys, is what are the seven or eight guys that should be playing, and what's our best way of like rotating them so they're at least a little bit fresh in the postseason. So I guess I'm just not—I haven't given a lot of brain power to think about these last ten games as opposed to the remaining. You know, four plus in the postseason.
1: Yeah, it makes, uh, again, I, I agree with most of that. I, I think that uh, the big point that you've touched on a couple of times now is the rotation is going to shorten. So uh, less of less, uh, those uh, lineups minus the Arnus, less of the guys in the second unit, which, uh, you know, I think bodes well for a starting lineup and, and a starting group that have, that have largely been uh, very dominant. 100%.
2: Justin Superbuck at Justin Superbuck that's consistent wants to uh, us to answer his cloning machine question what non Giannis player would you clone contract as well so I think if you can get a healthy Brockton right now I'd probably do that and they'd both be restricted free agents that'd be pretty good but I think considering like if you just ignore like that sort of technicality or whatever I would do to exploit the rule then I'd probably I mean it's it's probably Middleton right even with the contract situation like you just want your, your, your next best player again more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's a pretty simple one. You want uh, If you can't clone Giannis, you want to clone your, your second best player, right? And uh, that's, I mean, it's debatable for a lot of people. For me, that's Chris. He just does so many different things. Uh, you know, obviously shoots the ball well, uh, can put the ball on the floor. Great in isolation then again. When it comes to the playoffs, those are the guys that are difference makers, the guys who can score in isolation. Chris Milton's been excellent in those situations. So uh, the contract sort of makes it interesting, but it's such a hard question to ask right now with the Bucs players because so many guys, are. I mean, you've only got Jarnison and, and, and Bledsoe that are locked in. So you could, you could say Lopez or you could say Miritic or Brogdon or uh, Milton, but you don't know what they're going to get paid. So what, do you, what, what contract are you cloning into? So interesting question from... From the uh, from the meme lord fucks Twitter, <laughs> but uh, I, I think right now I guess the answer is Middleton for I mean, well.
2: especially even if you you know presume you're going to lose one of the Middletons, just to have two for this playoff run would be worth it, in my opinion.
1: Huh. Interesting, I didn't think of that angle. That's uh, that's that's also true.
2: Just uh, I mean, this is this is you know we've talked about it before. This is a, they should be relatively to a degree all in, so might as well go for what makes you the best right now here's a fun one that I don't think either of us are going to have great answers for from curious at Catalas P. Is there anyone besides Tim Frazier out there and would they be eligible for playoffs? So quickly the rule for playoff eligibility for the NBA, for this scenario that Catalas P is talking about anyone who was waived or a free agent by or by March, March 1st can be signed and eligible for the playoffs. They don't have to be, signed by their new team by then they just can't have been on a different team past that date so like tim frazier barely made the cut brooke lopez famously maybe infamously got released the day of like right uh, right before the deadline basically I, I don't think i know of anyone out there right now else who's floating around i mean like swaggy p no is he signed i I don't know i I wouldn't want him anyway on this team i, I don't know i don't think there's anyone very enticing
1: no no i don't really uh I mean, for mine, Tim Frazier has sort of been thrown back into the mix and had to play some minutes in in tough circumstances, but uh, we spoke about it in the last pod. Uh, Frazier's a fine player. He's he's put up some decent numbers or some good numbers this year when he's been on the floor. For a guy that, you know, really if everything's going well, he's not going to play anyway. I think he's a He's a fine third uh, guard, and I, and, and I just think the balance of the roster, if you can get people healthy, the balance of the roster is uh, is really great, and Fraser sort of fits into a need that they had. So uh, I, I don't think that there's anyone out there that, you, that you're going to bring in and is going to really make the team better or play minutes anyway at this point. So it's probably not something I, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about.
2: Yeah, same. Uh, I think Isaiah Cannon was last of buck, but he was released after March 1, so I, I don't think he's eligible even to come back. I guess I like, usually
1: playing around in China, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if you want to go
2: down that path. No, probably probably not. And I guess like a G Leaguer, you could probably go snag right now if they wanted Xavier Munford. He'd be free and clear to play. But I, I think yeah, he's not going to play. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's I'm I'm right there. I mean, shout out X, but yeah, I, I agree. I'll uh, skip around a little bit here. Um, I have no info on this. I don't think anyone does, but Three Oaks at. CMBL sixty seven. When are Giannis's shoes releasing and what will they look like? I mean Tenassus, I hope I pronounced that right, sort of tease a fake unveiling of them. I don't I don't think anyone knows really what they're gonna look like or exactly what I think later this year. I d I don't know. Do you know? Do you have any insight on this?
1: I don't have a date. I know there's been a couple of practice uh has been a couple of practices at the uh at the facility there where Giannis has had uh prototypes. He's Ooh. definitely had shoes there. He would obviously. We we did not see it. He wouldn't let the media see it. He joked about showing us and then never did. But I mean, they 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 have to be getting pretty close. I I wouldn't be surprised if something happened like during the playoffs. Like that wouldn't totally shock me. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it can't be too far away. He's he keeps sort of hinting at it, but I, I there's there's definitely no date. I I can't I can't you know help help anyone out with that one.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't know if anyone has that exact info. Okay. Uh, I like this one, JS at Olson Jolson. Who will be the unsung hero of this playoff run?
1: Well, uh, let me think about that. Interesting, the unsung hero because everyone's got so much credit. So I feel like it has to be a second unit guy. Uh, and again, well, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been writing him this whole, this whole damn podcast. So I'm going to say Sterling Brown <laughs> because he's going to fill a role that uh, Malcolm Brogdon played, and he's going to be the guy that just bridges the gap until Brogdon comes back, and the Bucs are cruising in the Eastern Conference Finals, so I've already spoke about him enough, I don't really need to ramble on any more about him, but I think Sterling Brown's going to fill a role, he's going to come back, I think the Bucs have really missed him, uh, what, do you, what do you think?
2: Hmm, I don't, you know what, I'm going to go with Tony Snell, who has been hot and cold, and it feels like a lot colder lately. But, he needs
1: to bounce back. He needs to bounce back after last year's playoffs. There's a few guys playing yeah. uh, that Yeah,
2: Bledsoe. <laughs> well, it's one. But he's been great all season. But, yeah, I would like to see Tony Snell come through a big a couple times. I think his steady defense could be helpful even if he's not hitting all the shots. But, I mean, when Tony Snell gets hot, it feels like the Bucks at that point just have a ludicrous amount of threats. So I'll go with Tony Snell. But I, I like Sterling too. I just didn't want to be boring and pick the same guy.
1: Yeah, Tony. Everyone loves Tony. I'd love to see him uh... – Look to see him have a good playoffs. So, you know, as I said last year, particularly on the road, just could not hit anything. So yeah, uh, you know, it would, be, it would be it would be good to see him come in and, and, and knock down some big shots.
2: Absolutely. Two more questions. We'll go with. We got a lot. So thanks to everyone who sent in a question. I mean, if we end up doing this again, which we might, uh, keep sending them. We we uh, we like this. Is I mean, I like this. I mean, what do you what do you think, Ken?
1: No, I mean to. I was happy to see that a lot of people had some questions. It's a good time of year for Bucs fans. We're really leading into the playoffs. There's a lot of different things happening. So it's, uh, it's it's always fun to mix it up a little bit.
2: Yeah. Brady Peterson at Brady 3021, three zero 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 two one Although this is a two-parter. Although the drop zone has been a staple all year, should Bud go more switching in the playoffs? It's part one. And then part two, what would be the plan with Paul Gasol? Are we just paying him to be a voice in the locker room? Question mark.
1: Uh, well, the defense. The, the question on the defense first is a good one, and I, I think that this has really been a question from the opening week of the season that people have been curious about. I think everyone knows that the Bucks have this uh, ability to go uh, full, you know, switch uh, one to five, like in in some lineups. So uh, it's definitely a weapon that they've got and something they can throw out uh, against opposition and 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 you know as a shock tactic. I will say that I, I do expect that, that at times. If things aren't going to plan, then Bud will go to switch in. We've seen him do it a lot more in the last month than we did over the first four months of the season. So there's no doubt that Bud's sort of leaning that way. But I asked him directly after the uh, – after there was a game last week. I can't remember which game it was now, but I asked him directly. I said, listen, you switched a lot more. It was a Charlotte game again where they've had to go to switching defense every time they played the Hornets. I said – would you ever go to this to start a game? You're using it a lot more now. Do you think that this is something that you would use to start a game? And he pretty much said no. He's like, we are not going to start uh, a game in the switching defense. He said from the start of the season that his whole purpose was to ensure that the the sort of the uh, drop, pick and roll uh, coverage was ingrained in this team and they learned that as their base principle. And then they they know that they've got the, the physical ability to go to a switching defense. So I think we'll see more of it. To answer the question, but uh, I, I would not expect to see the Bucks come out with this to start a game, and maybe that changes in the series depending on on how it's uh, sort of trending. But uh, it, you know, at this point in time, Bud has said that it's not his intention to switch uh, from from the opening tip.
2: I think I'm with Bud on that. I mean, it's it's nice to have some options and some versatility, but unless they're just getting absolutely torched with the with their style of zone drop defense, letting Lopez camp back there, I mean. I think there's something to be said for the better team dictating how the game goes. And I think being adaptable is nice, but I think there's a lot of value in sort of stating the terms of how you're going to play and making opponents sort of fit into that. So I I like the I like having the option in case things are really going badly, but I also like sort of sticking to what's gotten them this far. I mean, it's there's gotta be some value in it if it's worked this well all season, I think.
1: Number, uh, I mean that's it. And and if you're Bud and you're looking at the numbers and you're like, okay, well we got the number one ranked defense doing that, uh, then there's probably a fair sample size there to tell you that that's a successful strategy. And while sometimes it gives up shots, most of the time they're giving up the shots that they want to give up. And when you when I, I talk a lot about the matchup with Philadelphia and keeping Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid out of the paint, that's the scheme that you want to be running there and be able to really close up that paint really well. So it has got 72 games, sample size, t- to work off. Uh, the, the, the switching can be that sort of break glass in case of emergency uh, uh, scheme that they can go to and, and sort of cause havoc with, with all the sort of athleticism and length they have. But uh, I think that, as I said, number one ranked defense, I think they're, they're pretty confident that that is a winning formula.
2: Absolutely. And then part two, Powell in, in terms of him, I don't think and he should be like a break glass in case of emergency player, in my opinion, in the playoffs and in the regular season.
1: Yeah, no doubt. He's, he's a guy that they're going to love having around as someone that's got that veteran experience. Someone that's been there in the playoffs, A guy that can, can really talk to the guys and keep them calm when, when things get a little crazy and, and it's going to happen. They're going to get, they're going to find themselves in some rough spots at some point during the playoffs. So uh, to have power around is power around is great uh, for this team and this roster. He's, He's already been an influence in the locker room. And, and while, you know, you shouldn't expect him to play, you should also maybe not underrate that sort of impact he can have. I think he's going to be a, a good guy to have around.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you. I, I am I am in agreement once more. Last question here from Carl Murphy at Nordicum Murph. This is a good one. You have to pick only one of these pairs to be back 100% for the second round. Brogdon and Dante or Miritich and Sterling? Oh. That's brutal. Wow.
1: Uh, uh I mean I'm probably I'm probably going Miritich and Sterling just because uh I, I think that Miritich and, and and we've seen a lot of it, his shooting and the way he uh, you know, causes the the defense to respect him and it, it makes life easier for Giannis. And I know Brogdon's a shooter as well, but I think the fact that Miritic doesn't need the ball in his hand is big for the offense. The the offensive numbers have been off the charts with Miritic on the floor. So when when you're comparing Miritic and Brogdon, I mean, that's a really, really tough one. And and Brogdon's been so clutch. Like, that is just a tough decision. But when it comes down to the second player, Sterling v. Dante, I've got uh, Sterling pretty comfortably ahead of Dante. Although, I don't think we should uh, uh, underestimate some some of the... uh, the, I, I guess the scrappy things getting on the floor, uh, that sort of stuff that Dante's done and the energy he can bring. Um, I, I, I don't want to underwrite that, but I, I'll, I'll go Miritich and Sterling. What about you?
2: Um, yeah, same. I, I have them like quickly and formally ranked oh, in like tough. terms of – That is
1: a tough question. I got to yeah. tell you. I am, I'm not sure I'm 100% happy with my decision already, but that's uh, that's
2: a good question. That is a good question. I hope, I hope Carl's a regular listener and he has more questions if we ever do this again because this is a good one. So I have them informally ranked like one through four and who I'd want the most. Brogdon, Miritich, Sterling, Dante. So I'm, I'm like you, like I think it's closer between one and two than it is between three and four. And I'm going to go with like getting the two players who I know I could use a lot in the second round over Brogdon, who obviously would play it would start and then Dante, who would be like a nice bench guy, but who if he, if he played consistently, he'd just be filling in for Sterling, in my opinion. So I, I think I would give me the give me the two guys who I think are more useful. Even though, like, if I if I picked any two, it'd be obviously Brogden and Miritich. And then if it was like Brogdon and Sterling or Dante and Miritich, it's pretty easily, in my opinion, Brogdon and, and Sterling. But it's a tough question all around. It's it, it's it was well thought out groups. I think.
1: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I need. I'm gonna probably think about that for the rest of the afternoon now and, and question my decision, but. <laughs> Yeah, that that was uh, that's not a decision I ever want to have to make. Actually, no, I want all four. uh, Yeah, I want all four. I'm with you. So uh, where are we at? Is that we we at we at the end? That's it. Yeah, we should. uh, We're just about to breach our uh, time limit here, so we we might wrap it up for for the Bucks though. Uh, They are back uh, tomorrow night against Miami. Potential first round matchup, seven thirty tip off of Fiserv. Uh, we'll see if Giannis has played. My, my suspicion is, after having two nights off, uh, that he probably will play in this one. He's, he's had breaks break since Sunday now, nearly a whole week off. Sterling Brown is another one to watch that, that he might return, George Hill, after having a day's rest. Unless there was some aggravation and it wasn't just rest in the back-to-back, he's a guy that you could probably expect to play as well. So the Bucks are... Uh, set up to probably be in a better position to, to have some uh, some healthy bodies. So uh, that's Buck's Heat at 7.30 tomorrow night and we are going to, when will we be back? We'll be back Monday. Monday.
2: Yep, thank you Kane and thank you everyone for listening.
3: wherever you are across the globe access to a center is easy and affordable interested in experiencing the ee system technology for yourself go to unifiedhealing.com slash blue wire to learn more and find a center near you that's unified u-n-i-f-y-d healing.com slash blue wire no material or testimonials on the unified healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.